everyone. My name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us individually bring a fic to talk about, and this episode is a themed episode. Um, at the time that this is coming out, pew, 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 pew. At the time that this is coming out, Yuletide 2020 has wrapped. Um, all of the fics have been posted and revealed. At the time that we picked our fics, Yuletide 2020 had not wrapped, so we are doing a Yuletide-themed episode for just fics from Yuletides of past. Before we get more into that, Nick. What is the fic that you brought? So the fic that I brought for this episode is called The Ultimate Test of Cerebral Fitness by Psychomachia. It's a fic for the fandom chess, parentheses, board game, and parentheses. So very excited about that. Uh, Brenna, what are you bringing for this episode? Yes, my fic is The Rock in the River by Pi. It is a fic for the movie Spirited Away. Uh, it's from Yuletide 2018, and it's sort of a future fic set after the events of the movie. Uh, Reed, what's yours? My fic is Some Assembly Required by Untherius. The fandom is Ikea, start the car commercial. The pairing is Male Driver, Female Shopper. And this delightful fic comes to us from Yuletide 2019. Start the car, start the car. <laughs> <laughs> so this is technically not our very first episode looking at Yuletide fics, uh, whether it's all Yuletide fics or just one, because uh, I like to poke around in there, you know. But in case this is your first time hearing about this exchange or you're not really familiar with it, uh, a quick, quick overview. Yuletide is a fic exchange that happens every single year around the winter holidays that focuses on fandoms that don't have a lot of fic. I believe it's like a thousand works on AO3 is the cutoff for the fandom. So the goal is to elevate rare fandoms, which you might have noticed based on our picks so far, um, or even create content for fandoms that people wouldn't even have thought of to make things for otherwise. So that is the gist of Yuletide. Before we get into the episode, we thought it might be fun to just give you guys a little update about what we've been up to. Um, the end of 2020 was pretty hectic for all of us, um, so we just thought it would be fun to share what fandom events we've been involved in um, and just sort of like, yeah, what we've been up to since we last recorded our mini-sode. Yeah, I posted like 60,000 words of fanfiction in the month of December. <laughs> oh my god. So, <laughs> you know, been doing that. Uh, some of it was for Yuletide, some of it was for uh, a fic fest that I participated in, uh, and then just a little bit of other nonsense, as you do. Um, oh, I guess there was another exchange in there too. 55,000. <laughs> um, sorry, 65,000. But, you know. We all just are trying to have fun. Um, I wrote for Yuletide, had a good time doing that, got to read not only the fic that I received, but the treat that I got and a treat that Brenna got, uh, which was super <laughs> exciting for me. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I mean, we ran our Reich Exchange, so there was a lot of stuff going on with that that we just wrapped. Actually, today, not to date this episode, hi, everyone, uh, we had some technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, if you're like, ooh. But the Wreck Exchange just came out a couple days ago, and here this mm -hmm. episode is. Oh, it sure did. <laughs> Sometimes we record 
on more of a crunch than we would like to, but we are committed to bringing you this podcast on time to the best of our ability. So here we are. Good job editing, Reed. You did great. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's most of it, though. I'm trying. Have I done anything else? I don't remember. So yeah, I don't know. Just been just been doing a lot of stuff, mostly fanish content. Now that I'm out of school for a little bit. Yeah, honestly, um, I have not participated in all that many things this year. Um, I knew I would not have a lot of time or brain space in the month of December, uh, so I didn't want to just have to like drop out of too many things at the last moment, which is always depressing. Um, so instead, I just didn't sign up for almost anything. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the main thing I did was our rec exchange, which running an exchange is always more work than I think it's going to be. Like, I know how much work it was last year, but I was like, okay, we've learned, we've figured out some of the things that we did wrong last time, like, we've got this. And then 2020 was like, "Mm." (laughs) it's going to be hard anyway. Uh, So that was a lot of work, but also incredibly rewarding. I had the most fun looking through everyone's submissions and compiling them all. Um, So yeah, that was great. As Nick or Reed, one of them said earlier, our uh, all of our reveals are up, including the full doc of everyone's rec submissions. So that's amazing. Even if you didn't participate, I would highly recommend going to look at that. Uh, just like 90 plus pages of fanfiction recommendations. So what more could you want, really? Um, one other thing I wanted to give a shout out to, and Nick did mention this, is a treat I got for Yuletide. Uh, so when signing up, I had some extra space in my requests and offers, and I definitely wanted to give enough like requests too that I could be easily matched on something. So I was like, Nick, what should I put? And Nick was like, oh, you should request this K-drama, like mini K-drama that you haven't seen called Where Your Eyes Linger. And I was like, oh, you've told me about that. Sounds cool. I'm always happy to like just add more things that sound fun. So Nick like walked me through the plot, came up with some like scenarios that I thought would be good for what they told me, <laughs> put it down as a request, and then got a treat for it. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. <laughs> I was so happy. Like I felt like we had pulled off a con. <laughs> Fake heist. And I had seen sort of like, you can kind of tell when you just look at your gifts even before they're revealed. So I knew I'd had two works like gifted to me for Yuletide, even though I didn't know what they were until like the 25th, obviously. But then when I looked on the 25th, the Where Your Eyes Linger one was first. So I thought that that was like my sort of official gift and the other one was the treat. And then I like read the tags and was like, wait, (laughs) this is incredible. I love that so much. Like I genuinely was... I think almost more excited to see if you were going to get a fic for that fandom than I was to find, like, I was waiting for that reveal more than I was waiting for my own reveal um, for, like, what fic I had gotten. (laughs) So I was really gratified that paid off. I also participated in Yuletide this year. I got a fic and a treat, both for the same fandom, which was uh, very exciting. But I think right now the thing that is um, my, my current most engagement involvement uh beyond the rec exchange is voice team i am doing voice team mystery box um which is a podfic event it's so there was a a regular i guess voice team event that occurred earlier in the year um that nick was actually a part of when we were living together and i was like i have no idea what's going on but you're recording things all the time you are recording some wild fix and whatever (laughs) this seems like a blast and also like I have no idea what's going on. Because at that point, I had never recorded a pod fic. 
Um, and so when voice team said they were going to do this sort of like little mystery box thing, like try a bit of a different format, Nick and a couple other people pulled together like a K-pop themed team. And I was like, hell yeah. Um, oh my God, there is so much happening at all times for voice team. It has been so much fun. Um, there's a particular kind of joy I found in creating podfic, like, The audience for it is so small. I've got some stuff up there that has, like, four hits, zero kudos, no comments. That's fine. It was not meant to, like, gain a lot of traction. But the people who... fishing for kudos from the (laughs) ficklets. No, like, the people who are excited about the works that are going up are so enthusiastic about it. And that is so rewarding. Um, Even though there are people both within my own team and just in the general voice team uh, group who are so much more prolific than me. Red team, I don't know what you're doing. I'm impressed. Basically, there's different challenges that you can do to get points for. Um, and there's a points cap for each day because uh, there's seven days worth of challenges. And red team hits points cap immediately. They are, I don't I don't even know how they do it. The amount of podfic or just audio work in general that they're producing is very impressive and also a little bit scary. But I have been having a lot of fun with that. And just speaking about audio works, I did want to give a shout out to um, maybe I think my favorite fandom gift that I received over this past holiday, um, which does come from fellow host Nicole. Thank you, oh, Nick. Me? Oh, you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so oh. <laughs> um, if you listen to our minisode, you might be aware that Nick and I were living together for a number of months and have since moved. Sad. And in mm. the last couple days or like week or so of living together and I kept making these really oblique references to like a Christmas gift that I was going to receive on Christmas day but I like knew it wasn't a fic but I like didn't I didn't know what was going on (laughs) and what I received was beyond my wildest dreams um in case you are not really familiar with what a filk is a filk is an a fan audio album basically um it can just be like lyrics right yeah, I feel like well, I thought it could album. be lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, you, it, it doesn't lyrics. have to be audio. I guess it can just be the lyrics. But I think most often people do um, sing as well, or like have some sort of audio component to it as well. Um, Nick wrote me eight songs. Wrote, sang, produced eight songs for an album themed around. A Survivor AU that we crafted in the throes of quarantine when we were just mainlining uh, early seasons of Survivor. And we Mm -hmm. just sort of went off the goddamn rails, um, spiraled into this AU, pulled Brenna in with us. Uh, Yeah, Nick (laughs) made me an entire fucking album. I got through like four seconds of the first song and just like burst into laughter. I genuinely, I laughed, I cried. I went on an emotional journey. It is phenomenal. I still can't believe that it exists. Moved you to tears. Literally, though. My <laughs> song about like, Jeff Probst. When we vote, though, based on when we disco by JYP and Sunmi, well, iconic. Well, this entire thing literally started because months ago I made a joke and I was like, did you know BTS's song Dimple is actually about Jeff Probst? Because he has dimples. <laughs> It's a draft on my Twitter, or it's a draft, like, in my Twitter from, yeah, yeah literally, it's got to be, like, June? Early. Yeah. Like, a while it ago. It was before we moved, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do have to say, When We Vote, though, is one of the best things I've ever heard. Um Thank Nick you. sent me the audio, like, ahead of time. <laughs> and I was just in my house trying not to scream and alarm my parents, but, like... <laughs> 
I had to have Brenna because if Brenna was like, Nicole, this is way too embarrassing. You can't put this online. I would have listened to no. her, but thankfully she was supportive. <laughs> yeah, it's it's truly like the whole album is one of the most iconic fan works I've ever seen. That's only going to get like a handful of views. Like <laughs> the audience is so small for something that is so amazing. Someone from Voice Team commented on it, and they were like, "I have no idea what's happening here, but I had fun." And I was like, "Oh god." <laughs> Thank you. That's because, like, this isn't even one of those things where, like, we've sort of dragged our friends in. Like, when you say the audience is small, the audience is literally the three of us, and it's that's everyone it. who is speaking currently yeah. on this recording. <laughs> this is the audience. <laughs> and unfortunately, like, one like, of them um, is the person who made it, so that doesn't bode super well. Just, you know, um, ended 2020 with a bang, 2021 still on our bullshit, and I think mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like as we were just talking about Survivor, uh, that's a game in my opinion that requires a lot of strategy. Mm. And some would say another game that requires a massive amount of strategic thinking is the game of chess, which we're going to talk about in my fake. Let's do it. So my fic for this episode is called The Ultimate Test of Cerebral Fitness by Psychomachia. It is a chess board game fic. Um, I believe that fandom is wrangled under chess pieces, anthropomorphic. Just if you were wondering, that really delighted me when I found it. Um, Yeah, it's pretty short. I think it's 4,000 words exactly. And it is told from the perspective of a pawn who has a new strategist and is ready to go and fight the other chess pieces. Uh, (laughs) That's basically the idea. Um, I don't think anything I tell you could really give the full effect of reading this fic. Um, So I just want to be clear that it's an absolute joy. Um, I do have a couple of content warnings. Uh, The main one is that the entire fic is an allegory for war. Uh, The pawn is essentially writing like a diary at war. like. The war is chess, but it's still treated as war, and they're, like, treated as soldiers. One of the chess pieces gets PTSD at one point, uh, so just FYI. Um, if that's, like, particularly sensitive to you, just, like, note that. Um, there's not, like, any graphic violence or anything. Um, they don't, like, they have bodies, but they're made of plastic, so there's not really They could be made fighting. of, like, marble or something. I don't, I don't know that it specifically says plastic. Well, okay, read. If they're replaced with checkers, <laughs> why, th- wouldn't that be more of an issue if they're made of... Wouldn't some of them get broken after getting swept onto the ground? Yeah, uh-huh. you could break, like, stone. I was yeah. imagining them as stone. Mm. No, but they didn't get... Okay. I guess they anyway. could have broken. Or, like, lost. I don't know. Okay, maybe they're made of stone. <laughs> this is maybe beside just, the like, point. under the couch forever. I don't know. <laughs> A dog took it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So for this fic, uh, in order to find it, I searched all of Yuletide ever uh, with a couple of filters, but really not many. Um, and then went like four or five hundred pages in on AO3 by Kudos. <laughs> so just looking for like, I wanted that fic that had this like je ne sais quoi. I wanted a fandom that had energy that would be surprising and exciting. I was like, I'm going to have the most niche fandom this episode. And then Reed was like, fuck you. So that was pretty rude. <laughs> but <laughs> 
I'm still happy with my pick. Um, yeah, it's really fun. It's kind of epistolary in that it's like diary entries. Um, would highly, highly recommend giving it a read. At no point did I think I could be more delighted, and then I just continued to be more delighted as I read as more things were introduced. So, yeah, that's like my little intro spiel. Uh, would love to hear what my co-hosts thought of this pick. <laughs> Yeah, I fully expected you to pick something um, incredibly niche and that I never had like contemplated there being fic for. Uh, so you were right on the money with that one. <laughs> um, it felt good, felt organic, felt right. <laughs> this fic, um, I will say, was slightly incomprehensible to me, um, which, I mean, honestly, not like unexpected for a fic of this nature, but um, not really aided in the fact that I don't understand the game of chess. Um, I think I was taught something about chess at some point in my life, but it has not remained with me. I don't think I've ever played a full game. Um, all of my knowledge comes from the recent Netflix TV show, The Queen's Gambit, which I did watch <laughs> and greatly enjoy in about two days. Um, so there's that and then there's also the fact that all the chess pieces in this fic are referred to by their like Icelandic names so I didn't even know which pieces they were supposed to be so I really just like it was one of those fic reading experiences where like I just had to kind of take my hands off the wheel and like just hope that I would not crash because I didn't know what was happening Um, thankfully that was the only fic this episode that you had to do that for no, it wasn't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, which, like, like I said, I was again. Like, I expected this going in. This is not like a criticism, and I knew I didn't know anything about chess, so I knew that that would be a disadvantage of my own. <laughs> um, but it was a very fun ride. Like, it's immensely creative. Uh, I really enjoyed the fact that just like every time I sort of felt like I had an understanding of what was going on, something new would happen. Like, play. like pieces would start to get replaced with like pieces from other games like which basically is like the introduction of new characters um the kind of way that the entries were written changed throughout the fic it goes from being very like serious and like we're off to go win these battles to just like kind of changing tone as the narrative progresses because it takes place over like a year of these chess games um yeah, I I expected something unexpected, but even that did not prepare me for this fic. <laughs> yeah, um, I think when it comes to chess knowledge, I have a little more than Bren, and I think a little less than Nick. I am familiar with the pieces of chess and how they move. I don't think I've played a game of chess in many, many, many years, and I too did recently watch the Netflix series Queen's Gambit and very much enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I am not familiar with the Icelandic names of the pieces. <laughs> and I did try Googling because, uh, as, uh, our ficlets well know at this point, there is nothing that I love more than coming across something I don't know in a fic and then immediately looking it up. But it only got me so far. Um, that being said, like, this fic was so fun. It, it was one of those, like, take your hands off the wheel and see where it goes. And I loved the tone of it it kind of reminded me a little bit of um the marvels of whitby which is a yuletide fic that bren brought for our last yuletide episode which was yuletide in july it's like i don't know episode 18 somewhere around there brother matthew what is up wow crushed it um it sort of reminded me of that in the sense that like it feels like a a 
topic that is kind of absurd being treated seriously, but like through the way it's being discussed, it loops back around to like absurdity and humor, um, if that makes sense. Because as Nick said in the intro, like it is an allegory for war and there are horrible things happening to these chess pieces. Like our POV character is really struggling and watches other pawns and other pieces like go through some horrific stuff. But it is just delivered in this really like dry way that is so funny. Um, so I was delighted, I think, by the humor of this as well. That was really fun. And I, I kind of had a sense for what it was going to be just because Nick had mentioned like being delighted by this fic and surprised by it. But it was absolutely like worth the ride of just seeing where it took me. Yeah, it was good. It was unexpected. Although I agree with Brem, expected in the sense that like this is exactly what I would peg for a Nicole pick for a Yuletide episode. <laughs> yeah, I will say like I can't believe our Rec Exchange episode I had to be the jock. And then this episode, <laughs> I have to be the nerd. I don't appreciate being pigeonholed like this. <laughs> no one's saying you yeah, have we're, to. We're definitely pigeonholing you. Yeah, that's just how it feels. If I can just, can <laughs> I just be honest with you guys for a second on the show? Yeah, please. I just feel like I work so hard <laughs> to be so many things for you and for our listeners. But you only appreciate <laughs> me for my knowledge. That's really hurtful. Uh huh. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, I'm just watching Brenna laugh so hard that her audio is shorting out on my side, <laughs> and it's really cracking me up. It's just a very funny concept to me. <laughs> what Nick's saying. I don't mean to invalidate your feelings. I just know that you're lying. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm sorry, this makes me sound like a terrible friend. But... Yeah, it's actually I think really if anyone has listened that. to any of this podcast or any of our bloopers in which at any given moment one of us is being relentlessly bullied, I don't think it makes you seem like a bad friend. I think they've got a pretty good idea of how this works. I mean, hopefully our ficlets also understand that I do appreciate both of you for other things than your knowledge about chess, but... <laughs> True fans will <laughs> or know what's going on Or your knowledge about soccer, here. but... <laughs> True fans will see through everything we're yeah. saying to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ficlets weigh on. in. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anyway, anyway, do you want to share some of that knowledge with us? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So chess is a game where you have a bunch of pieces... And you try to get checkmate by putting the king in a position where he can't move or he dies. There you go. Um, so that's exciting. Thank you. <laughs> that's I needed that, a brief overview of chess. <laughs> they call me a chess master um, back at the old academy <laughs> of chess. Are you a grandmaster? <laughs> the good old where academy. I studied for 10 years. <laughs> So the goal of chess is to win, but unfortunately uh-huh. <laughs> for this pawn, they really are not good. Um, the strategist is a, presumably a child um, and a clown, to be honest. The first game that they play was the author said that they pulled it from a Reddit thread of worst chess games ever. Uh, there's also a fool's game. So like, must make this child a fool, probably. Um, 
Yeah, so there's a lot of loss and a lot of sadness. Um, there's a whole part at the beginning where it's like another loss, another loss. Like, ah, uh, what is the point anymore? And then it just starts like skipping, skipping days. And then all of a sudden it skips like 200 days all at once. And I was like, whoa, okay, that's that's rough. Clearly there's some struggles here. Um, and then we pick back up at a point where things start to get interesting again. So I do thank you, author, for not trying to write out all 365 days because I think that would have been <laughs> tough. <laughs> Another loss. Like this time, the queen got killed by a pawn three turns in. How did that even happen? How did the pawn get out of the way Didn't you just say it's the enough? king? No, the queen. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, no, no. The, the queen dies, but then the game progresses. Oh, yes. You're just talking about yeah. the queen who in this fic... Um, drinks a lot because she's just despairing at yes. how much they keep losing and yeah. how badly. Yeah. The king really can't die. I mean, the king can, like, die in a game of chess, but the king is never, like, knocked off the board until the very end because the whole point yeah. is that when there's an opportunity for the king to be about to die, the king has to move out of the way or something else has to block the king when there's yeah. no more opportunity for escape. Checkmate. Which, uh, unfortunately for our or pawn POV, they don't get to experience checkmate on their side until spoilers. Pew 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 pew. pew. Literally day three hundred sixty five. Um, I did have a point when I was reading this where I was like, okay, I understand, or at least like my assumption is that the strategist is a child, and so they're just not good at this game. But like, three hundred sixty four straight days of losing. Would you not think that like? At at some point in there, either you get good enough to win at least one game, even if it's by chance, or maybe you decide, actually, chess is not for me. I'll try something else. This strategist, this child controlling the chess pieces, says no. Um, even through terrible losses, such as, um, I, I infer, getting angry, chucking some of the chess pieces away, and then having to replace them with checkers. Yeah. Um, and then later, from other games, like Clue, I think, yeah. um, you know, even through those tremendous losses, they do persevere. But to what end? Because when they win on day 365, it's not that child. Someone else comes in no. to control the chess like, board, <laughs> and they're Sad. the ones who win, or the, the one who wins. Yeah. Uh, my hypothesis is, you know how when you're playing a sport, not to be a jock again, uh, but when you're playing <laughs> a sport and you have to warm up, right, mm -hmm. so that you don't like get injured and so you can play well, what if this this child or just fool uh, <laughs> is the warm up game for like grandmasters every day <laughs> at various tournaments, and that's why they keep losing. Uh huh. I don't think when you go to a chess tournament as a grandmaster, they're like, okay, okay. So, like, I know you're going to be playing with these other elite players, blah, blah, blah. But first, as a little warm up, play this dumb seven year old who can never win a game. Uh, the chess fool is in the back room waiting for you, grandmaster. <laughs> there's some, like, there's some horrible, like, network of. They just are ferrying these children and to have their egos just demolished oh, no. by grown adults who are much better at chess. I think we've uncovered like something. It's like a grown adult who's much better. It's no, like, it's like a grand the best master. players in the world up against, like, a, like an elementary school kid who's yeah. never played chess before. <laughs> I am, I'm imagining um, Ficklets who have watched uh, Queen's Gambit 
the now I've forgotten his name, but like the Russian who is like sort of the mm-hmm. one that she has to beat, like the one that is so hard. I'm imagining him warming up with just like going just like boop 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 play some games. Well, it's like that scene where like Beth goes to play against like the like high school chess club or whatever, except it's all mm-hmm. like seven year olds from like a first grade classroom <laughs> and then like a Russian grandmaster. That's probably it. I think we hacked it. Probably <laughs> it. No, I mean I was thinking though, like even though the games in this fic are depicted as individual games and or sorry as individual days and individual battles. Like, they probably, a bunch of them probably happened on the same day for us. Like, they probably just played a bunch of games in a row, and the pawns interpret them mm. as individual, like, days of battle, because mm-hmm. they're, like, reset at the beginning of the game or whatever. So it's probably not actually, like, 365 consecutive days of one game per day, because that's the only way I can make sense of this. <laughs> we got an Einstein talking about relativity of time. <laughs> Bren, now you've posed a question where I'm thinking about sort of the, like, consciousness of these pieces because here's the thing is like it's not like it's not like they're only sentient when they're on the chessboard because as i sort of mentioned with like the queen drinking or whatever there's a lot of narrative that happens back at camp like Mm -hmm. there is a romance for our pov character with um i think the candlestick from clue the candlestick whose name is lumiere yes and like that that whole relationship develops when they're at camp sort of recovering from these horrific losses But I am wondering about their perception of time in the world around them and how that might be different from ours. You've really, you've really opened my eyes to the possibilities of what our POV character is going through. It's deep. Thank you. I like that. Yeah, well, I think it's interesting, too, because, like, this fic is, it's not really tagged for anything. Um, And it's tagged Jen. But also, like, is this fic a little bit femslash? I feel like it is. Um, The pawn is never gendered in the fic explicitly, but the end notes as far as i can remember but in the end notes the author says like oh our poor pawn like she da 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 and i was like oh ho okay um she develops a fascination with lumiere who speaks about her old home and how she was a murderer and how it wasn't always the same person who wielded her or in the same place but she knew that she was the one doing the killing and also she misses her old home because they used to have a billiards room <laughs> which is quite different from a chessboard but yeah, it was really, really interesting to see this, like, kind of fascination crop up and for the pawn to be like, ooh, because the pawn is horrified by the checkers. The checkers are depicted as, like, these kind of alien uncanny valley, which is hilarious. Like, uncanny valley for a pawn <laughs> is a checker. <laughs> uh, so Lumiere is kind of the first newcomer to be interesting and not terrifying. So, like, that was really interesting. That's That was, like halfway two-thirds of the way into the fic where Lumiere shows up and I was like oh my god I was not expecting there to be a love interest um or or a lust interest hard hard to tell to be honest um I I wasn't expecting I went into the chest tag to see what else was in there not expecting I should have um how much explicit fic there was was like (laughs) the knight and the queen like after a loss and I was like oh boy I I was like how does that even work but I didn't look Maybe I will. Oh. I know. Maybe I should have. <laughs> I got too nervous. I have questions, but I don't want to look myself. <laughs> I was like, what if I ever play chess again? And all I can think about is, like, these mechanics. <laughs> I have good news for you both. Now that we have spoken this, mm. and it will be on our episode, mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing whatever the ficlets bring to the ficlet After Dark channel in our oh. Discord server. Oh, because true. now that yeah. we have spoken this, I am sure there will be something. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. If you want to hypothesize on the nature of the pawn and <laughs> candlestick relationship. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Curse. Um, I will say I could like I could be the little chess fool because um, <laughs> not just because of my <laughs> lack of knowledge of chess. Your diminutive height. Also because, <laughs> because of my diminutive height. <laughs> <sighs> no, but also because I did not realize that it was the candlestick from Clue until we had our discussion. <laughs> like, I was just like, I I kept imagining, like, a little metal knight of some sort or something, mm. not just, like, a candlestick, because the figure is never really described. Um, yeah. And then I was just really confused about them being like, at least there was billiards in my home. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Where did you come from? <laughs> I mean, the game of Clue, but... Yeah, I mean, that's fair. To be fair, I didn't fully... So I had the thought, I was like, oh, I think this is a reference to Clue, but then I got myself confused because I wasn't thinking about the, like, weapon pieces. I was thinking about, like, the actual characters from Clue, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, this isn't, like... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. So I got, like, halfway there. Um, I did want to talk a little bit more about the humor of this fic, Nick, you had mentioned that the pawn sees the checkers as these, like, weird robots, like, unfamiliar. Mm. They're, like, kind of unsettling. Um, And just as an example of the tone that I think makes this fix so funny, there's a bit where our POV pawn decides to be brave and try to approach one of these discs, and the fic reads, So you're a red disc now, I asked, trying to be diplomatic. How's that working out for you? Bleep, it answered. Ah, I said, say no more. And, like... (laughs) I was like, my note is literally just peak comedy, TBH. The Just the delivery of this was so funny. It had me audibly yeah. laughing. Yeah, actually, even just hearing you read that out loud made me think that one of the reasons this probably feels a little bit like the Marvels of Whippy is just because we've done almost no first-person POV fic. Um, mm. It's first-person via, like, the diary entries, but... Um, and I think the only first-person POV fic we've done is kind of epistolary in nature, um, where we're writing stuff. I believe this one... Marvels of Whippy, the Persuasion fic that I brought. Those are the only ones I could think of right now. Um, but that probably is also why that pot you were re- you were reading it. And I was like, oh, true. No wonder we didn't know the pawn's gender. <laughs> it's first person. I imagine the checkers as little Roombas. I was also imagining them as that. <laughs> I like wow, the high bit where, like, <laughs> they're talking about how unsettling it is when like they wake up and realize that the little checker Roombas are watching them and someone else is like but how do you know that they're watching you like they don't have eyes and our pawn is like you just know yeah (laughs) you can always tell also we haven't mentioned this at all this episode but I do feel like it's very pertinent to bring up that um at the beginning of the fic when you sort of get the setup of like the pawns and like the rest of the chess pieces getting ready for this battle um, our POV character are the white pieces, um, are part of the, like, the white pieces side. And there's this whole narrative about, like, how the other team are, like, they're, like, have you heard the rumors that they are, like, horrible alien monsters with, like, tentacles and, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there's this whole thing about how the enemy is this, like, unknown monstrous being. And then you get, I don't know, halfway into the fic or whatever, where they've just been crushed by defeat so many times and a knight from the other team strolls over and is like, hey, and the pawn's like, okay, just like Mm -hmm. do it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I think also like at a certain point, the checkers become creepier than the other team. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, for sure. 
Yeah, and you get to like the very end where the pawn is like considering falling into the arms of someone on the other on the other team, the other side. Uh, and it's like, okay, maybe you did realize that they're identical, except maybe <laughs> with different paint. <laughs> but sometimes the scariest thing is ourselves. Wow, poetic. Thank you. Copyright. Nicole, fit click. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I do want to say that for as much as the three of us have been little fools, I think, over the course of this discussion, I did absolutely love the author's notes um, and how they revealed how much this author knew about chess. Like Nick mm-hmm. had mentioned that the author did a bunch of research into not just having this like child strategist be very bad at chess, but modeling it after real games um, or like real strategies, which I found so delightful. I think one of the things that I really love about Yuletide is people getting incredibly passionate about things and like getting a platform for things that they might not otherwise. Like that is the point of Yuletide, but I was just thinking about how we're like, oh, this is a very like fun and funny fic about chess, but this author clearly loves the game a lot or has done a lot of research into it. And I just was delighted by the author's note and that sort of revelation. Yeah, I don't think it would have been as fun or as funny if the author didn't bring all of this knowledge going into it. Like, they knew what they were doing. Um, Yeah, because, I mean, I think along with what you were saying, I think that there are a few different categories of, like, Yuletide fix and fandoms that are eligible. I think there's the fandoms that are massively popular but became popular late enough into the year that they technically qualified. (laughs) Uh, So those are kind of your... Okay, fandoms. Uh, there's your fandoms that are small, but people have a lot of passion about them that are based on very specific source content that could have maybe in another life been very popular depending on the timing and who got into it. And if a, if a BNF hopped in and was like, check out my fake dating fic and everyone like went wild for it, you know? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. and some of those some of those ones have like a very loyal following like I feel like every year I see a lot of like Rivers of London Yuletide fix and I wonder how much longer before it's not eligible but every year it's like five to ten fix so I guess they're slowly trickling um, and then you have stuff like this where this is not a fandom I ever would have searched I like chess I think chess is fun I have played many games of chess in my life never have I been like I wonder if there's fic the same way I have for like a book or something. Um, And I think that's one of my favorite things that Yuletide will give you something that you never would have thought there would be fic of. And it's an opportunity to just kind of go wild on it because one other person, at least in the whole world, was thinking the same thing as you. Um, So I think that's just really cool. And that's why it's one of my favorite fandom events, not only to participate in, but I think even more so to observe as a person who's interested in fandom. So yeah, that was our discussion on The Ultimate Test of Cerebral Fitness by Psychomachia, uh, which really is just so fun. It's literally 4K, y'all. I believe that you should read it, um, especially if you have played and enjoyed chess. But, you know, even if not, I think it's fun. So go go have a read if you haven't already. Uh, yeah, and thanks for listening to that discussion. Now I'm hungry. <laughs> I wonder if our next fic has a magical kitchen drum that could give me some food, Brenna. all right so my fic for this episode is called the rock in the river by pie um it is a fic for the movie spirited away 
So this fic takes place uh, a number of years after the events of the movie. Um, Shihiro is college-aged now, um, and she gets a couple part-time jobs, one working at the local grocery store in her neighborhood, and the other one is at this, like, bar for spirits. Um, and she kind of stumbles across it one day and gets reintroduced to the spirit world um, many years after having worked at the bathhouse in Spirited Away. Uh, she also, like, reconnects with Haku, who, like, comes by the bar, um, and many of the other spirits that we see are supposed to either be, like, the same as the ones from Spirited Away or kind of, like, maybe related to them, but it's all quite familiar in that regard. Um, I really enjoyed this fic. I think it captures, like, the tone of the movie in such a wonderful way, but definitely allows its characters to be more mature and grown up. Um, it's really about Shihiro kind of finding her place in like, the world and in her life and figuring out, like, what she wants to do with it and, like, kind of who she wants to be. Um, it's very, like, introspective. Um, it's a very warm feeling fic. I found it, like, a wonderful read for the winter time. The atmosphere of the bar that she works at is wonderful and the little kitchen that makes you whatever it thinks that you want <laughs> was one of my favorite parts of this fic. Uh, I really like fix that kind of expand on the events of a piece of media like this um and I thought this one did a really good job of capturing like who Shihiro might grow up to be um and kind of reflecting on what she needs in her life uh at this time um a little bit of content warnings nothing major but there is like an off-screen parent death uh so that does come up and does kind of play into her relationship uh with her dad and stuff throughout the fic um, so when I was looking for a Yuletide fic, uh, I knew I would never be able to find anything as niche as what Nick would bring, and uh, this time as niche as what Reed brought as well. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm not going to even try. Like, that's not my lane in this podcast. <laughs> but there is a sort of category that I really enjoy of Yuletide fics, and I think it's a little bit different than the ones Nick outlined earlier, where it's not necessarily a media that, like, has an intense following year-round, but, like, it's a piece of media that has enough people who have watched and enjoyed it that if someone says, hey, fic for this thing, a whole bunch of other people are like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, and I think Spirited Away falls into that category. Like, a lot of the fics in the tag for it are Yuletide fics, um, and I think I see it crop up, like, most years in Yuletide. Uh, but it's not necessarily a fic that I think has, like, a strong fandom amongst it, or a strong fandom around it at other points in the year. And there are a couple others that I was kind of thinking of in the same genre as well. But I knew I had a couple Spirited Away fics somewhere in my 23 pages of March for Later. Um, <laughs> so I kind of dug through those. I read a couple. I read a couple for other fandoms, and this was my favorite that I read. So we went with it. Um, and I thought it was also, like, it's a nice fic if you've watched and enjoyed Spirited Away, but I thought it was also pretty comprehensible if you haven't. Um, so, you know, that's always a plus. But yeah, I really loved this. Uh, it was very atmospheric. I think Shihiro in it is just a really, is like a relatable and wonderful character to follow. And I'm curious to see what my co-hosts thought. Yeah, I absolutely loved this fic. Um, I have only seen one Ghibli movie ever, which when I said that to Brenna in our pre-discussion, she was shocked upset. I am sure that we will watch something. (laughs) I'm sure that we'll watch something together soon. But the one movie that I have seen is Spirited Away. I watched it my first semester, my freshman year of college, and I remember really liking it. And I remember the basic premise of the fic, but like, I did not remember all of the little spirits and things. Um, 
just like sort of, I guess, the most notable ones. So I do think I am sort of in that middle ground of Brenna has a lot of knowledge about the movie. Nick has not seen it. Once again, I'm in the middle of like, I've got some context. Um, Sorry, Nick is giving me a face. Uh, You can speak to your own experience when it's your turn, but I do know that you've seen, I think, 10 minutes of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call that Nick has not seen this movie. (laughs) Um, Regardless. I really, really loved this fic. I think it started slow, and I mean that in a good way. Like, I think I think the pacing of it is very careful. And so it starts with Shihiro when she's younger, but the bulk of the fic is her as a college student. And you sort of get this, like, slow, steady pace of life as she's figuring out herself and, like, being an adult and her relationship to magic and the spirit world. Um, and I thought, like, as it picked up, it wasn't, like, the plot was like heart racing or anything, but it just built up the world around her so carefully and thoughtfully. It was so grounded, even though she is working in this fantastical spirit bar. She also has other things going on. Like she has her college classes. She's studying German. She works for a little grocery store. Like she has a whole life and that life feels real and present. And I really, really appreciated that. And I also just really liked the character of Shihiro. Like I found her very compelling. I loved what this author sort of imagined her future could be because we don't really know at the end of the movie at all um what might be in store for her and I would like to think that her future looks something like this because I thought it was a really lovely one and um really wonderfully portrayed yeah I did watch somewhere between five and ten minutes of Spirited Away about 15 (laughs) years ago so yeah we love that knowledge base yeah at first I was like I watched it I just was very young and then I was like no I think I just saw like a scene and then left uh which you know if I'm not in a movie theater or actively watching with someone the odds of me finishing a film are low I will just leave, (laughs) even if it's good. So that's been true since I was a child. Uh, And that's okay. I really loved this fic, though, Uh, and it made me want to watch the movie. I don't think I will, but it made me want to, uh, which was nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's more than I can say for most movies. Uh, Yeah, I think, like, I was, the way that it started, I was expecting the whole fic to be focusing more on her like immediate post-canon journey and looking more at like her childhood um but really it focused on her becoming an adult and coming into herself and kind of building her life and figuring out what that looks like with the context of the movie very much with her um I it's been a while since I've been in a fandom that lent itself to post-canon fic so that was really interesting for me to jump back into that um, for a long time, I was in either like TV fandoms of shows that were still airing, um, book fandoms sometimes, but a lot of them have like epilogues and stuff where you're like, well, okay. Um, so they're more like retellings or missing scenes or POV switches or RPF fandoms where there's not really a canon to post uh, in the same way. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think like it was really cool for me to because I, I know that this is a kind of fic that's pretty popular in terms of like style especially for like a movie um or like a mini series or sometimes a book too um like that makes sense or like finished tv series and stuff so I really liked that and I liked the opportunity to kind of jump back into that um and I just really loved this fic the writing was beautiful the style was really great Shihiro as a main character carried it beautifully 
um, I think it just made sense and it was different from things that I had read otherwise lately and also like for most of my life. Uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed it. I was expecting to like it, but I think I, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to having very little canon context. Yay, that makes me feel so good when you guys like the things I pick, <laughs> especially when I know that like one or both of you don't have a whole ton of like source knowledge um, for the for the fandom. Um, yeah, I, I love this one. I think it does a really great job of sort of blending Shihiro's life in the regular human world with her stepping back into the spirit world, because in the movie, there are these two super distinct things. Like she comes from the human world, she stumbles into the spirit world. She's trapped there, um, and then she escapes back to the human world. And this one doesn't have that strong delineation. It really allows her to live simultaneously in both spaces and to kind of break down some of the barriers, I guess, between them. Um, like, she brings some of the other human people she knows, like her dad and some of her, like, classmates uh, into the bar at certain points. Um, and I think, like, being a human in this space also kind of opens up some of like the spirit guests minds to like the the human world a little bit more as well um so one of our other main characters in this fic is named Nomiyaji um and he's described as basically being very similar to the character from Spirit Away Kamaji who's like the furnace tender in the in the uh, movie um and I don't know I kind of imagine them in my head as like brothers or maybe cousins or something because I think they're supposed to be really similar and we kind of get similar vibes from them, but he runs the bar and he's who she starts working for. And I think that's one of the best relationships in the fic for me is like their friendship and kind of like business partnership um, as he kind of picks her to be his successor and kind of trains her up, um, gives her a space to live in in the bar, allows her to kind of create these rooms for herself and then allows her dad to stay there too when he comes to visit. Uh, he creates her a shortcut to her grocery store job and it's all just like immensely heartwarming to me like I I think on this pod we love a good kind of found family trope and this absolutely fits that bill um and I just really enjoyed seeing Shihiro be able to kind of live both of these parts of her life there's a point where kind of she kind of thinks about having to give up like school or her grocery store job and um I really like that she doesn't have to if she doesn't want to she's allowed to kind of keep both and live both and mix them um and I just really love that part because this fic gives Shihiro a lot of agency and choice and that's exactly what she didn't have in the movie when she was just kind of trapped working there um so I really like that narrative decision to like make this about Shihiro's choices mm -hmm. also I apologize if I'm saying any of these names badly uh this is kind of just how they're pronounced in like the English dub of Spirited Away but it's probably not the actual Japanese pronunciation so apologies yeah Bren what you were just saying about her having choice but but marrying sort of those two worlds of the human world and the spirit world um absolutely was one of my favorite parts of this fic when she first sort of encounters the spirit bar and she's very tentative about it and Nomiyaji is like, okay, great, you're here, you're working, and she's still trying to figure it out, I liked that it was on her terms. Like, I liked that, I don't know, the experience in the bathhouse was not good. She found what friends that she could there, but, like, it was not a good experience for her. She wasn't there willingly. And for her to choose to come to this bar and not only choose that, but to build a home there and a life there, I thought was so rewarding. And I also really love that that's not the only thing. Like, she has this job at the grocery store, 
And she has it in part because she is a human who needs human money to do things. The spirit bar does not pay her money for, like, rent or regular groceries. You know, the the magical drum at the spirit bar will give her food, but she also needs to be able to buy other things. Um, But I like that the grocery store job wasn't just that. Like, it wasn't just functional. She talks about the value she finds in how there are old ladies who come who specifically ask for her because she's got sort of like a magical touch for finding just the right produce and she works there long enough that she gets promoted to be manager and she takes that very seriously and I just really loved that because I think it could be so easy in a fic like this to just fully have her entrenched in the spirit world um especially because like Haku shows up again and like even though that's not the central point of this fic it is a big point like it is a big point for her in her life And so I think it would be so easy to have her lose touch with the human world and just become fully immersed in the spirit world. And I like that this fic chose not to do that and that it it gave her compelling reasons to be in both worlds and to find a way to bring them both together. And I thought it did so in a way that, like, felt earned. Yeah, I think there are a lot of narratives in media about this, like, hidden magical world underneath the real human world and our protagonist who discovers it by accident or by searching or because they're chosen, et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, haven't seen Spirited Away, but I have read the series Wicked Lovely by Melissa Marr. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Which I okay, think everyone would consider the flagship magic system <laughs> uh, for uh-huh. fae and fairies, but of a hidden magical world, the Unseelie Court, the Seelie Court, the Summer King... And he's in love with this girl, so that he can't. Okay. Also, there's like tattoos <laughs> and stuff. Also, it's like there's a they're part of the part of it's gay. That's like one of the first gay romances I ever read. <laughs> anyway, I thought you were gonna use this as like an example. Yeah. I haven't read the book. I thought you were gonna use this as an example of like stumbling into a magical. Oh world. yes. And I was like, you don't want to go with like Narnia or something. No, no, no. I'm going to use it. <laughs> okay, okay. I just got excited for a Please second. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so I don't even remember these characters' names. It's been that long since I've read this series, uh, but that's why it's a good example because I still remember the main character who can like see all these fairies, and it's like you should never talk to them, but then she does, and she goes into this dark world. Um, anyway, the whole the point of this is at the end she kind of has to choose between this like really destructive but passionate love and like her ability to go be out in the world and like that's a huge it's a huge thing oh ashlyn is one of their names anyway uh, <laughs> ashlyn <laughs> seth and seth like is in a trailer and like she goes to see him and stuff anyway oh my gosh you could tell me anything about these books and i believe you <laughs> I don't know, know what you're talking about <laughs> oh my gosh those were like so impactful for me as a 12 or 13 year old <laughs> reading them um but yeah anyway what i'm trying to say is that it really centered it on this choice between like once you come you can either stay or you can leave and that's a really big thing in western fate mythology too you can stay or you can leave um but you can't have both um so i really liked that this pushed back hard against that shahira didn't have to choose and in fact her choice was to have both and her choice was to kind of be in both worlds and it wasn't that she was seeking it out Um, And that she was like, I have to get back. I have to be able to do all these things and marry my different lives together. It was was just how it happened. Um, And the life that she built happened to incorporate both of those things because those were things that were making her happy and that were practical and made sense for her. And she wanted to work hard and do her best. And these were the things that she chose to work hard at. So I really, I I think my bringing Wicked Lovely into this was essential to make this point. (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely i think so too (laughs) it's not the only media that asks the protagonist to make a choice to either stay or leave but 
it's one of the most important yeah i wouldn't think in so modern history <laughs> so yeah <laughs> yes. <laughs> i mean i think like the movie spirited away it, it doesn't really ask shihiro to make so much of a choice because she doesn't have that many reasons to want to stay but it does very much have that delineation of like you can stay or you can leave but you mm-hmm. cannot have both mm-hmm. um and like so i could have just I mean, spirited he- away <laughs> kind of yeah i mean like she's kind of trapped there both because like her parents were made into pigs um but also because like her name was taken from her and she's given a different one and that kind of like enforces her like servitude i guess to the bathhouse um and then it's haku who tries to help her like kind of break that and escape um but yeah, she it, it does have a similar aspect of like you can't be in both worlds. She and like the ending is very much like you can't just like come back to visit. Like once you've left, you've left. Um, so I think this fic kind of you know does do an interesting job of breaking that back down and and questioning that. Something else I found really rewarding about this fic was, um, Shihiro's growing relationship with the bar and how it grows with her. Because, Bren, you mentioned that she walks in and Nomiyaji is sort of like, great, you're my successor. He doesn't say that outright, but, like, it is kind of from their first meeting. He implies, like, if you work here and you stay here, like, this is probably going to be yours. And she's very tentative, but, like, this this magic drum connected to the kitchen works so much better for her than it ever works for him. And as she starts, like, putting love into the bar, the bar expands. Like, she puts hard work into it, but the magic of it also sort of grows with her. There's a scene where the bar is more crowded than it's ever been, and Shihiro sort of notices it expanding and becoming warmer and more inviting. Um, she works there for long enough that Nomiyaji is like, okay, you can sleep behind the bar, and then he gives her the back room, like, as her own room to stay there. And as she puts work into it, she notices, like, a plant growing outside of her window that realistically probably shouldn't be able to grow there, but she's tending to it, and so it does. I just really love the idea that even though she's human, she has such an impact and influence on magic. There's, like, a couple of references in the fic that are, like, oh, ho, like, does she have inherent magic? Like, is there something different about this girl? But you don't, like, need a concrete answer. It's just that the world, like, grows with her in such a lovely way. Yeah, I think that's actually kind of one of my favorite parts about, like, how the, like, almost magic of this world works. I mean, it's not really magic. Like, no one's waving a wand or, like, casting spells magic like that, but more so is just that like Shihiro does kind of have like a special something that the world around her responds to um in this really like active and alive way that I found like really wonderful in this fic because I think that does kind of reflect um from the movie as well where like Shihiro is not is not like a chosen one protagonist she doesn't have like special abilities that make her able to do these things um but like when she's working at the bathhouse she does like kind of pull off these things that no one expects her to be able to do a little bit um and does kind of have this connection with some of the spirits and i think that that's reflected well in this fic as well um where she does she does just kind of fit in well in the spirit world and all of the things that reed pointed out and and even when she goes to the grocery store like all the little old ladies who shop with her love her because she can always find exactly the right thing that they were looking for the perfect piece of produce out of the big stack for them and they all get so sad when she doesn't show up and like i think just that kind of like response that the world has to her it's almost like eager for her to be in it i think is really wonderful yeah, I think, like, I, I agree. I love that she has this magic that doesn't demand explanation or use. 
like it's it's not like the chosen one narrative of like oh you have magic go save the world with it um mm-hmm. which i really 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 loved um i also will say i did cry a little bit at the end of this fic um <laughs> i'm just sensitive um you know <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> That's not even a lie. I was very sensitive about this, actually. I know. Um, just the way you said it was really funny. Uh, well, thanks, Brenna, for mocking my You're sensitivity. <laughs> I feel like you always make me the sensitive one. <laughs> what? I'm usually the one who's like, and I wept. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and you're like, I don't cry at anything. <laughs> well, I just cry at some things, evidently. <laughs> well, like, if it's like, if something is really sad, I usually don't cry. But if something is, like, really nice, sometimes I cry. (laughs) That's fair. I'm thinking about the time that we lived together where you texted me that you cried because it was cold outside and you were comfy and warm under your blankets. You were just so comfy. It was right when the heater kicked on. And I got so emotional. I was just so cozy. (laughs) I did not know that. Yeah. You know, what are you going to (laughs) do? We recorded that night. That was when we got on to record, and I was like, I cried three times today, and one of them was because I was so cozy. <laughs> oh, good anyway. times. Anyway. Yeah, that this fic, I believe, was the only time I cried that day, and it was very briefly, but um, at the beginning of this fic, Shihiro's mom dies um, off screen and in such a non-graphic way that I actually almost missed it the first time I read it, which was then super awkward, because I was like, did she, did she die? And I had to go back and try and find it. Um, she did. So that's sad. Um, and Shihiro's relationship with her father does suffer a bit. She moves away and she goes off to school and she doesn't talk to him very often. And it's just kind of stilted and awkward and difficult. Um, especially as Shihiro is like building her new life and he's not really involved in that. Um, but later in the fic, she kind of calls him to ask about some specific like remodeling tip or something as she's building her bedroom. And they talk for, like, two hours for the first time in a really long time. And at the very end of the fic, he comes to visit. So Shihiro spends a good portion of the last third of the fic fixing up kind of a guest space in the bar for people to come and stay so that they can visit her, like her dad, like Haku, who becomes an an air river spirit. What's the name? Atmospheric river. Atmospheric river. Thank you. Yeah. Um so he's not rooted to just one place anymore so he's able to come and visit but he also has to leave a lot so she wants a place for him to stay but also for her dad and toward the very 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 end of the fic her dad comes um and they talk very briefly and literally the line where she's like i'm so happy i started crying (laughs) because it was just really nice i was happy for her and also like stuff with parents always makes me cry don't psychoanalyze that um you're the only you're the one who won. <laughs> I'm not asking you, I'm asking your ficlets. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh yeah, I don't know. I just really, really loved that at the end the climax was not about her relationship with Haku and it was not about some big explosive plot point. It was about her relationship with her father and that kind of pulling back together and her closeness with the people that matter to her. Finally everything fell into place and that was when the fic could end. So I, I loved that structuring of it. Yeah, Nick, one of the things you just mentioned is that Haku now is an atmospheric river. So he sort of exists in the sky. He brings rain with him. Um, and, you know, Namayaji is sort of watching this budding romance between Shihiro and him. And he makes a comment about how by nature of being a river, like Haku will always be coming and going. 
that she's never going to get to see him all the time. And Nomiyaji gives this like little speech. I think it is like maybe the most emotional he's been with Shihiro the whole fic, where he talks about how it's not a bad thing for her to be a steady place for him to come back to, that Haku will always be traveling, but a place like the bar can always be found. Um, it was really nice, and he sort of ends it by saying, you'll bring the world to you, I reckon the best of us do. And that really got me. I didn't cry, um, but I did feel very soft about it because, like, the Haku-Shihiro relationship is so not the central point of this fic, but I thought that little speech was so emblematic of, like, what I love the most about this fic, that she builds a steady life for herself in this bar and in this town, and also, sort of as we were saying, that she brings a little bit of magic into the world, like, people are just sort of drawn to that. It was just a really touching scene that I really, really loved, and really, I think, got at the heart of what made this Shihiro so good for me. All right, so that was The Rock and the River by Pi. Um, a little fic for Spirited Away set post-canon. Um, a really lovely story about Shihiro sort of finding herself and building a space for herself uh, that crosses the boundaries of both of these worlds. Um, I really loved it. And if you like this movie, I would highly recommend it for you too. So in the movie Spirited Away, our main character goes on a journey from what seems sort of like the banal everyday world into a incomprehensible wild world beyond her imagination. Uh, this next fic we're going to discuss is like us going on that same journey. <laughs> <laughs> So my fic for this episode is Some Assembly Required by Untherius. It is for the fandom IKEA Start the Car commercial. The pairing is male driver, female shopper. Um, it was written for Yuletide 2019. So the context for the fandom of this fic, um, when I did a very brief YouTube search, I found a commercial from eight years ago and then a commercial from three years ago, but the one from three years ago, I think, is just an HD version of the one from eight years ago. Um... The bulk of the content is about six seconds long. A woman looks at her receipt in an Ikea, hurries outside, rushes towards a car while yelling, start the car, start the car, and a man looks very startled, and they drive away. Uh, that's it. That is all of the context for this fic and fandom. I am going to give brief content warnings, and then I implore you to go read this fic, because... The experience of reading this fic knowing absolutely nothing about it was genuinely unlike any other reading experience I've had in my entire life, not just about fanfiction, just in general. It took me on a journey that at no point could I have been prepared for. Um, I do think it is still a good read, even if you know what happens, but I think that going into it unspoiled is the best or maybe most visceral experience. But just in case you want a little bit of a heads up about it, the only thing that I would warn for or just like mention is that there are mentions or it is sort of about the apocalypse and also like a climate apocalypse, the end of the world. These are all sort of tied in together. Um, it is, in a sense, the plot of this fic, but it is also referenced obtusely. I wouldn't say it has, like, intense musings about, like, our climate, but that is a factor, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, that being said, I genuinely do not know how to talk about this fic because, uh, as you might be able to tell, I was just baffled. You start with the basis of this commercial, and then you go through 
almost 8K of spies, end of the world. Um, just a whole, at no point did I ever know what was going on in this fic. I would read a line and then it would just keep going. I, as Brenna said earlier, the sort of like, take your hands off the wheel and see where the car takes you. I feel that to the nth degree with this fic, I was lost, but in a way that I enjoyed. Um, I think our listeners might know that sometimes like, if I don't have enough context for a thing, I can find that a little bit frustrating. I think it is a huge credit to this fic that I never had a single idea what was going on, and I was never frustrated. I was only full of joy, amusement, bewilderment, um, just having a good time with it. Um, I guess also I should explain how I even got to this fic. I had started my Yuletide search originally looking for fandoms I did know. Uh, I was going through many a video games tag of Yuletide's past. Uh, As we all know, I love Reed's Video Game Corner. But I wasn't quite finding what I wanted, and so I decided to search by some new parameters in which I was just going sort of sequentially back through Yuletide, sorting by word count, and then excluding some fandoms that I knew I didn't want to talk about, like bigger fandoms or just like fandoms that I was like, no, this is not quite what I'm looking for. So I excluded, and then I was just looking by word count, and um, as I said, this is almost 8K, so it's not the lengthiest one in there, but it is definitely up there given that I think most Yuletide fix are somewhere between like one, two, three and a half or 4K. I was like, what is this commercial? Like, what is this? Nick and I were living together at the time that I was reading this and uh, she got to be subjected to me in the living room just going, what, what, uh, what? Just sort of over and over again. And I decided that the experience of reading this was so strong that I had to see what my dear co-hosts and friends would think while reading it. So I loved it. I was baffled and would love to know what your reading experiences were like. Yeah, I really enjoyed this fic. Um, I will say, like, yeah, so I saw I saw Reed reading it. And I think when you were done, Reed, you said to me, I, it was something along the lines of either I read that whole thing and I still don't know what happened or nothing could have prepared me. Maybe both, honestly. Probably uh, both probably both so i was like well all right if reed struggled here i don't stand a chance like i'm not gonna stop and google anything we're just going baby uh thankfully i don't think stopping and googling would have really done much for me so (laughs) my Uh strategy actually was optimal for this fic just roll with it have a good time what's happening i don't know who cares i'm having fun uh yeah it's it's hilarious. It's joyful. It's incredibly emblematic of fandom saying we can fake anything. <laughs> uh, I did watch the commercial. I've seen it several times now. Uh, big fan, personally. I think really effective. So kudos to Ikea for that. <laughs> uh, some free marketing because I, I watched it a bunch of times. I We probably, I'm going to be honest, I think the three of us account for probably most of the views on that video in in recent months (laughs) i would have to imagine right we've got a i don't know how many views it has like total is it a popular commercial i don't know what if it's like let me see yeah what if it's like a cult classic and we're just okay well as it turns out the um one on youtube from eight years ago has three hundred seventy-eight thousand views and sort of the HD remaster that is half of the length has 63,000 views. So Who I actually don't think we made much of that at all. <gasps> what? Oh my god, never mind. It is a cult classic. I personally would like to believe that actually it was um, the person who wrote this fic, Antherius, rewatching the commercial, like, 
sixty thousand times for research. Of uh, actually, I don't. I don't wish that. I hope. I hope they no. didn't go through that. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of brutal for them. Also, like for research, that's only the first like couple paragraphs of the fic. Uh huh. <laughs> sure is. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Again, like, am I? devastated that I was bested in nicheness summarily by Reed. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Am I always going to hold a little bit of bitterness about this episode? Probably. Um, is it going to impact our friendship long term? I don't know. But I had fun reading this book. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that's just, I think that's just this fake and this commercial's impact. So, whatever happens, I'm still glad that I read it. And I had fun. <laughs> Sorry, I was busy reading the comments on the YouTube video. <laughs> Anything good? Be, no, they seem to just be people who enjoyed the commercial. They're like, ha, this is so funny. And I'm like, why are you here? Why does it have like, so no many offense, views? But like, how did you find it? Like, where, where did you come from? <laughs> anyway, um, I would say that for me, uh, the experience of reading this fic um for next i said that i it was just sort of the experience of like taking my hands off the wheel of a car this one they were never on the wheel um <laughs> they were duct tape behind my back and that was the experience <laughs> of reading this fic <laughs> um not only did i not know what was happening but i had really no say in the matter i was i was just there and i didn't get to choose uh anything about the experience um including whether or not i could comprehend it <laughs> That being said, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a delightful read. Um, I honestly really liked the sort of background lore and world building that we got as we went along. Um, I did also have sort of the sensation of like maybe having dropped into like the middle of a podcast or something, like listening to like one episode or like reading one chapter of like a much larger narrative because there's so much that is just dropped on you with no explanation. And you really get the sense that you're in the middle of this story that has been happening and will continue to happen after this fic. Um, and there's something just about like the way it's told too. And I, I'll get back to this later that like really reminded me of a podcast in a way I really enjoyed. Um yeah, I don't know. Sort of that feeling, too, where I have sometimes when I'm, like, scrolling through Tumblr and I'll see, like, meta about some podcast that, like, I don't listen to. And I'll just be like, I'm glad you're having fun. I don't know what any of the words in this text post mean. <laughs> and that was kind of the experience I had here. Like, a lot of the background lore and things that are built up, like, either they solely exist in this fic or, like, their context has changed for this fic. And it's like, okay, I'm just along for the ride. Incidentally, you are in a car most of the time, so you are kind of literally along for the ride. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, Nick, you would say something so similar. You don't boo me. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have taste. My uh, jokes have panache. <laughs> are you kidding me? I can't wait to just insert like a 15 minute reel of all of the bad puns that you've made on this podcast both the ones that have been included and haven't bren you said um you had the experience of like seeing a post on tumblr and not knowing what it's about i did pull this quote as a sort of summation of my experience um from a tumblr post uh the one that is these words scan with a fantastic degree of confidence considering that together they make no sense at all that is sort of how i feel about this fic um I have now read it twice, uh, once when I was doing research and once when I was reading it again to prepare for this episode. I do think the sensation of being completely and utterly lost was not as overwhelming the second time around. Um, do I still have a full grasp on what was happening? 
absolutely not. But it wasn't that same feeling of, like, me just completely drowning in the world of this fic. Um, That being said, I will do my best to sort of give you, the listeners, a summary of the plot, as far as I understand it. Um, Which I will say, our, our experience of, like, bafflement is not just us. Even the person this was gifted to on Yuletide was like, I liked this fic and how they were spies, I think. Like, all of the comments <laughs> were like, this was delightful. Here's what I think was happening, but I'm not sure. Um, so that being said, here is the plot. So this fic does start out the way the commercial does, um, with the female shopper who has been named Amelia here. And she runs to the car, which Harold is driving. And um, she's in the Ikea and she spots some agents And so she pulls the maneuver, excited shopper, and that's how she tries to throw them off of her tail, I guess. Um, Harold and Amelia are driving down Washington, stopping at a bunch of Dutch bros, and speaking code words to inform their fellow spies that the apocalypse is happening, end of the world is happening, and the time to move is now. Um, So they are trying to gather their allies, one of whom is Jane, who joins us for much of the fic. And... um, yeah, I mean, that that is kind of the plot, is just them driving, gathering their allies, talking about the upcoming apocalypse and what they're going to do about it. There is a lot that happens within this 8K, but I I couldn't concretely tell you what, only that I enjoyed it. I do think similar-ish to Nick's fic, one of the things that made me like this fic so much is the humor of it um, and the sort of matter-of-fact way in which absolutely absurd things are presented to us. Um, It is a very, very funny fic. In addition to having really wild and intricate world-building, it is, like, funny and deft. The dialogue is really snappy, and I think all of that lends itself really well to being willing to go wherever this fic is taking you. Yeah, I think for me one of the things I really liked was there's a character named Kathy in this fic, who essentially is a stowaway in their car. Uh, She thought she was going to be killed, so she hid in the trunk, and then after a while began, I think, sneezing. Um, So they were like, what's what's in our trunk? It was Kathy. Uh, Kathy is Jane's younger sister, uh, and Kathy has no idea what's going on. Kathy's completely lost. And what I really appreciated was... Kathy was as lost as I was at the point at which she was introduced. The characters, Amelia and Harold and Jane a bit, do explain a lot of what's going on to Kathy. The fic glosses over quite a lot of that. There's, I think, a line that's like, (laughs) Amelia and Harold explain everything. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) wait, what? Me too, me too, please. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I'm in the trunk too. You just didn't hear me. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of how it feels. Uh, but I thought it was very clever to have almost a, a meta kind of fourth wall break of like, okay, can someone explain what the hell is going on here? Because this is not normal. Uh, so I really, really liked that. And like, we, we get some explanation and we get some exposition later on um, as they talk about what they're trying to stop the end of the world and like how they're trying to do it and what their roles are and all this stuff. But um, I don't know. I liked the kind of irony of getting this chance of like, oh my god, they're going to explain everything. And then it's like, nope. <laughs> Kathy is now leagues ahead of me. They've driven off into the distance with her and I'm just sitting here on the road. 
Yeah, I think going back to kind of what Reed was talking about, about like dialogue and how this fic is written, I kind of want to talk about like why I think it reminds me a bit of listening to a podcast. Um, also, tangentially, I do think that this would make a great like multi-voice pod fic. Um, just putting that out there. <laughs> Because I think most of this fic is told, like, in dialogue or in kind mm -hmm. of almost, like, stage direction narration. Not a whole lot of it is, like, internal monologue or, like, thoughts anyone is having, which is why so much of it doesn't get explained to us. We don't really get to see inside the heads of the characters and, like, know how they're thinking about the situation. We're just kind of watching from almost, like, a camera view what they're doing and what they're saying. This also kind of leads the fic to do one of my favorite things in fic and books and media, where a lot of the info is given to us um, not by, like, narration or by a character, but by just things in the world that are cluing us into what's happening. Um, and that's how we get most of it. Like Nick said, we do get a bit of this when Kathy shows up, too, and they kind of have to explain things to her. But early on, before we encounter Jane or Kathy... It's just given to us in like a bit of like what they're doing and the conversations they're having. I think the thing that we get earliest that kind of clued me into what this world was going to be like and why our characters had this sense of urgency in what they were doing is when they like turn on NPR when they're in the car and there's this little like Science Friday clip. I'm going to read it to you because I find it just delightful. I'm Ira Flato, and you're listening to NPR Science Friday. Today we discuss the ongoing global cooling effect and the recent rise of volcanic activity on the West Coast. From confirmed permafrost in Minnesota, South Dakota, and Wyoming, to the recent eruptions of every volcano from Mount Lassen in California, all the way to Alaska's Mount Augustine, what's behind the sudden shift from global warming to global cooling? In this third year of what some experts are calling a new ice age, we'll talk to several geophysicists this hour. Um, anyway, uh -huh. sorry, I just also wanted an excuse to do it. <laughs> but I found that bit so delightful. It also really got me, like, invested in kind of uh, figuring out what's going on with this world. Like, if this was just an installment in kind of a larger, like, podcast, like, audio drama, book, whatever, I would absolutely be reading on or going back to catch up on what I missed. The story is really engaging. And I think almost because you're given such limited information, it really pulls you along and, like, makes you invested in kind of trying to figure out what's going on, how the pieces that you're given fit together, why things are different than the world that we're in now. Um, and there's stuff that we never get explanations for, like, why were they at Ikea? Seemingly buying ingredients for, like, almost, like, spells or weapons, but, like, why? Why is there, like, curse word in this universe not, like, you know, fuck or shit? It's, like, a Norwegian word? Like, there's so many things that we never get answers for, but also do kind of start to mesh together a little bit as we get more and more pieces, and I would just, like, I want to know more like that's the feeling I was left with at the end was just really like the sensation of like okay but keep going like I need to know what happens next one of the things I really loved is that the apocalypse in this world is like it's everything like there's a bit where there's they're talking to Kathy and they're like the end of days from every religion Cthulhu the kaiju literally whatever you want to imagine like at the intersection of all of these mythologies of what the apocalypse could look like is the truth that they are battling. And I thought that was so fun. It was really good. Yeah, there's so much, like, 
the author has clearly thought so much about all of this and just gave us a taste Mm -hmm. and I was like what else is in your brain yeah exactly (laughs) like rattling the bars of the cage like let me in (laughs) yeah it's just fun and like there's such a mix between this kind of like high fantasy almost concept wild sci-fi chaos theoretical and then like a lot of like extreme groundedness i thought it was hilarious that like their check-ins on the way were at dutch bros (laughs) like (laughs) coffee shops um yeah i loved that at the very very end everything is pumpkin spice in the bunker and it's like what why (laughs) uh so like buying it in bulk or whatever i don't know i just think there's like the mesh of all of these things together this the prose is not fancy we don't get a ton of like ooh, like that's a sparkly metaphor like this fic just gives you what it gives you and like i want more of it and i think that's why it's so effective it's just like here's what i've got enjoy and I yeah did. absolutely i mean there's also like a high level of absurdity in this fic but it doesn't feel whimsical at all yeah. really it's not kind of like a ooh, i'm like prancing through this meadow of absurdity i'm like in an emergency but the emergency is absurd (laughs) i don't know it's just like not a combination i experienced a lot in media and was highly enjoyable yeah i think like as an example maybe of of the sort of prose that nick was talking about one of my absolute favorite lines of this fic and one that i think is emblematic also of the humor that i really love in it is where um harold and amelia and jane need to ditch their car and make their way to a hideout And the ditching of the car goes a little bit awry and the car explodes. And so they all scatter and they're making their ways through the shadows of night, like through this uh, suburban area. And they're trying to meet back up again. And the fic uh, from Amelia's point of view reads, She let her breathing level out and issued a credible imitation of a great horned owl. She doubted it would have fooled an owl for an instant, but most humans wouldn't know the difference. Like, that (laughs) fucking killed me because... It is just this really, like, I don't know, it's, like, absurd, but also matter-of-fact, and the image of it is really funny, like, that Amelia's thought in that moment is, like, mm, not passable for an owl, but, like, <laughs> this will do for my spy purposes. Um, Nick, you mentioned that there's sort of checkpoints where these, like, Dutch Bros coffee shops, but it's, like, it's more than just them being checkpoints. Like, everything gets so layered upon in this fic. Like, they mm-hmm. do something and you think you understand it, and then... Like, a few scenes later, you realize that there are so many more layers to, like, why they're doing something or how they're doing something that you didn't realize before. Like, at first you're like, okay, they're stopping for coffee. And then you're like, okay, these are checkpoints of some sort. And then later on, you realize that, like, they have kind of almost, like, militarized the staff at these coffee shops as, like, weapons of positivity against the apocalypse, which, like, I did not see coming. (laughs) Like, each time I think I understood something, there are just these twists and layers that add to the absurdity of it all. And it's gripping. I need to know why this worked. Like, why are these their strategies? I don't... I'm just... Yeah. I'm gonna, like, still be thinking about this for a long time, I think. I think this is gonna be one of those fix that kind of sticks around in my brain. It's just kind of gonna be, like, a sticky little corner that things will get stuck to. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. I, I know that sounds weird, but I just mean like, uh, <laughs> 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 like a ball of slime. <laughs>
Well, more like, okay, if a, if a thought is completely smooth, then, like, if something bounces around in my brain, it's just going to bounce right back off that thought. Like, there's no staying power. But if something's sticky, then it will hold on. And that's, mm-hmm. um, uh-huh. yeah, you know. Totally. Yeah, Brian, what you were talking about, the Dutch bros being, like, weaponized positivity. I love that uh, in one of the author's replies to a comment, they were like, yeah, like, have you ever noticed that the Dutch Bros employees are always, like, super, like, bubbly and friendly? Like, also just thinking about, I guess, the nature of Yuletide and the inception of this fic. I did go to see what else is in this tag. There's one other fic, and it was also gifted to the same person that this fic was gifted for. <laughs> or gifted to, I mean. Um, which I found absolutely incredible. And I'm not 100% positive, but it kind of seemed like... Um, the person who was gifted to commented and it seemed like this was maybe a treat for them. They were like, wow, I did not expect this. Um, and I think that Nick talked about this a little bit with her fic, but I love that this is a fic that I think only could exist because of Yuletide or maybe just like the author's sheer love of it. Um, I feel, I think similarly ish to how I felt about Death of a Sparrow, not to just keep referencing fics that we brought to the pod before, but just in the sense that it was like, First of all, I would love a peek inside this author's brain to know how on earth they came up with the concepts that they did. But second of all, I love that this is a thing where it's like, technically, this is fan fiction. It also is so outside the bounds of what we normally think of with fic. And it is so clearly just done for the love of it, um, which that I think is really the spirit of Yuletide is like. Um, I don't think this author was expecting to get many eyes on this fic. At the time that I read this, there were 10 kudos. I was the 10th kudos. Now there's 12. I have to imagine the other two were my co-hosts. Um, I also have and to I just thought that this that. person was like, I will craft this world so intricate, so niche, and it does not matter who looks at it because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so good. Yeah, you're not writing Ikea start the car commercial fic for clout, I don't think. <laughs> not really, <laughs> no. no. I do think, like, Yuletide is one of the strongest, like, creationary forces in fandom, I think. Like, I mean, all all fic fests and exchanges and stuff are, are you know, but I think Yuletide especially, people just come out here and write things that I don't think would be written without this event like with other fic fests or exchanges like obviously the people are writing for the purpose of that and like they do create a lot of fic that wouldn't have gotten written otherwise but not in the same way that yuletide is because the fandoms alone the things that are written for only come out during yuletide (laughs) um and i think that's just like incredible i feel like every time we've talked about something on the pod that's like kind of whack in terms of fic we're always like that was yuletide (laughs) yeah yeah, well, because also, like, I don't know, I think there's there's different kinds of fests, and Yuletide feels like the kind of massive multi-fandom fest looking for, mm-hmm. like, rare fandoms. But it reminded me while you were talking a little bit of when when I brought Like a Steel, which was the twice RPF fic, it was written for a fest where uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> GOT7's Jackson throws a party, and that's right. the only thing that has to be the same <laughs> across any of the fics. Like, I think there's something to a multi-fandom fest with a strong concept that just brings out energy. It brings something out in people that I'm obsessed with. And so, yeah, that's just what came to my mind while you were talking. 
yeah, thank you, um, Ficklets and my friends for joining me on this journey. Um, Bren, I'm sorry that your hands were duct taped behind you as you read this fic, you know, but I'm glad happens. you enjoyed it anyway. <laughs> Scrolling was hard, but <laughs> we make it through. <laughs> I said this at the beginning, but truly, even if you have listened all the way through and not read this fic yet, I do think it is a fic worth reading for the experience of being lost and enjoying being lost, appreciating the wild world building of this fic. Um, if you just want a new experience while reading fan fiction, I cannot recommend this one highly enough. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and I was really glad to have a reason to bring it to the pod. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fit Click, which I thought was pretty good, so I hope you thought so as well. Um, I'm biased, but I hope you are as well as a huge fan of Fit Click. If you like this episode and you want more of us and our community, you can find us on social media on Twitter at FitClick and Tumblr at fitclick.tumblr.com. We also have a Discord server, which is pretty lively, multi-fandom. We have a good time. Uh, you can find the link to join on our Twitter page. If you'd like to communicate in epistolary form, you can send us a letter at fitclickpod at gmail.com and we will probably take several business days to write you back. <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we also have some merch up on Redbubble uh, designed by yours truly. Uh, you can find that link on our Twitter as well. Uh, you can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would absolutely love to hear from you there. Uh, they really help us find new listeners and grow our community. Um, word of mouth is the biggest way that we grow. So if you liked an episode, if you like the pod, uh, recommend us to a friend. Maybe retweet an episode that you liked or participate in one of our like events, like our rec exchange we just finished. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we do have our full reveals up, um, so that's super exciting. Just another plug for you to go check it out because there's a ton of amazing fanfiction recommendations there. And I have a feeling that if you're listening to this pod, uh, that might interest you. I, for one, am already afraid of how long my Marked for Later has grown just mm -hmm. because of the Rec Exchange doc, and I've made my way through maybe a third of it. Yep. This is the part in the episode where we tell you what we're bringing next time. Um, which I'm very excited to say is a themed episode. You might recall that around this time last year, we did our birthday episodes specifically for Bren and Nick, who both have birthdays in January. What we did last year is the birthday host picked a favorite trope, and the three of us all found fix that fit that trope. We decided to do something a little bit different this year. Um, in an effort to give ourselves more excuses to bring long fic to the pod, because we do like reading long fic as well, we decided that uh, whoever's birthday it was would just pick one fic for us to talk about a little more in depth, um, kind of similar to how our fandom classic looked if you listened to that. So, Brenna, since your birthday is coming up very soon at the time of this Ooh. recording, mm -hmm. um, what fic are you bringing for your birthday? Yes, I'm very excited about this uh, ficlets. Get ready, grab a blanket, grab a hot drink, get cozy, because we are returning to Brenna's Dreary Corner for a very special episode. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs>
we will be discussing Dwelling by Adi Omai. Um, if you listened to our last episode where we talked about some of our favorite fics of the year, this was on my list. So I am very excited to have a chance to reread this fic, gush about it, talk about it on the pod with my co-hosts. Um, I sincerely hope you will join us. That episode will be coming out on the 22nd, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.